right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith. And I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that will require you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. That's just what we want as humans. And I think the people that get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us, they're not just salespeople. They don't have sales anywhere in their job title or descriptions. There are just great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. And I want to talk to them. So I'm going to share their stories so that we can tap into what makes us human. We're going to practice our human skills. And ultimately, we're just going to all become better at selling by being human. All right. So I'm super excited today for the person that we have on. This is somebody that uh, really was human in his uh, connection with me. We're, we're part of a you know mastermind group, Build Your Life Resume. And he's just so gracious with his time. I think just put out a post just saying if you have a problem or something you're excited about or you want to talk about and just get feedback on, hit me up. Here's my phone number. Let's talk about it. And when you hear about what this guy's background is and what he does, it'll be surprising that he's so willing and just gracious with his time. But this is a guy who refers to himself as a curious adapter. He encourages others to see the world from different perspectives. He refers to it as being a human catalyst. He really wants to help us all encourage collaboration, cooperation, and grit with each other. And he really looks at the world and wants to you know, live in a world where people wake up excited and explore the wonders that life has to offer. He's helped build a lot of online communities from the one I just mentioned, Build Your Life Resume, to USA Volleyball, to Spartan Race. The list goes on. He actually even worked with the artist Mike Posner to help prepare him for his walk across the country. We'll have to talk about that. And then in his profile, an awesome video, what I what shocks me and we'll talk about is this guy, he ran 100 miles in one sitting. Just let that sit in for with everyone for a second. So I am so happy to welcome none other than Cameron Schmidt to the podcast. Welcome, Cameron. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's quite the intro. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you for being on. I'm excited. I want that to come through. I think everybody will be excited when they hear from you. All right, man. So, you know, I mentioned a lot of stuff. Let's just talk about this. You know, we're doing this about a couple weeks, really a week into the really just big crisis that we're in with the, you know, it's just like all over everything with the coronavirus. And I'm just curious, like, how are you handling your world? And you talked about finding encouragement. And the second part is, how are you finding encouragement in this new world we now live in? All right. So the first part, how am I handling it? So I don't know if it was fortunate or unfortunate. About a week and a half ago, I was in Indianapolis working basketball tournament for the Horizon League. And this was mm-hmm. one of the last tournaments that ended up going off before they all started getting canceled. It was fun. Ended up throughout that weekend around probably at least 5,000 people. So I precautionarily got home and decided, you know what, I'm self-quarantining. Mm-hmm. And then had on the news, one of the coaches who was at this tournament got confirmed as a positive case. So I have been fully now self-quarantining. No symptoms, nothing crazy there. Oh, man. How am I adapting to what's going on? I'd say... Since I typically work in events right now, at least that's funding-wise how I've been getting by, I've been having to adjust my mindset. So I've got had plans for a book. 
had plans to try and get in the speaking industry, probably a little bit of coaching. So I've been focusing on that a little bit. And I've also been stuck at home. So <laughs> a little bit of TV, a little bit of distracted on social media. One of the cool parts though, is I got added to a couple groups where everyone in the group is trying to crowdsource supplies and food, whatever is needed for families, individuals, elderly that can't get it. So it's been hugely, hugely inspiring to be around all these people that are just trying to take care of the whole world. That's awesome. Not awesome that you're inside and <laughs> kind of uh, redirecting efforts, but awesome that you're finding new ways to just, yeah, move forward and, you know, give back, it seems like, and, you know, kind of being all in this together. Well, you know, tell us about your story, because I can't even do it justice. I tried to tease people, you know, we're in this group, Life Resume, and it's kind of this concept of, you know, Jesse Itzler, awesome entrepreneur, founded some amazing companies, and has just been, you know, an inspiration and has a community that he's really growing around health and wellness, getting the most out of life. And, has this concept around life resume. So meaning, you know, what we have in our paper resumes, our LinkedIn profiles, just our work history doesn't define us. It's not everything. Our experiences are, our health or wellness or our connections, what we put out in the world, our philosophy of life. So what's on your life resume? Like who is Cameron and what are the highlights for people to know about you? So like very brief synopsis is that I consider myself to be very much like most people in life. I, in some ways, was fortunate growing up. We moved a lot. I was originally from Utah, and then we lived in Colorado, then up to San Francisco, and then I'm in San Diego, where I've been the past 15 years or so. That introduced me to so many different mindsets, ethnic groups, cultural differences. And so I've been a very open-minded person in terms of that. Now, having all of that chaos also led to me being a very secluded. For a long time, I thought shy. I don't think that anymore. But didn't get out of my comfort zone very much at all. And so it's funny (laughs) now hearing all the introductions because a lot of people that know me now only know me from that part of my life where I have flipped that switch and fully embraced being uncomfortable, which I think is natural for me because that's kind of how I grew up. I tried to find comfort in chaos with all the moves and everything, but now I'm kind of back in homeostasis. (laughs) Cool, man. So I have always heard people talking about kind of like that have made major life changes. They're like, I don't even know the person I was 10 years ago or five years ago. It's, you know, I'm completely, you know, a new person. They talk about, you know, maybe flipping a switch and I can maybe pinpoint things in my life that kind of led me to, maybe a path, but nothing where I, you know, kind of there, like it wasn't like an event or a moment or something where I'm like, okay, I'm going to live completely differently. So was it something for you that made you want to kind of change your mindset? Or do you think it just happened because of your environment? Or maybe the better question is, why do you think it happened? So the thing that I realized, and I've realized it a lot more recently, is that as humans, we absolutely love to be curious. I mean, you look at any kid, probably from the age of being born to like six to eight years old, even after that, but like those ages primarily, like they see a puddle, they want to go jump in it. 
they see a flower and they're like, they're just excited about everything in life. And I think because I moved so much, the way I put it is I learned what masks I needed to wear to be able to adapt to the different situations that I lived in. Mm -hmm. So the big change for me came 2016, late 2016, although it started a little bit before that. I was refereeing volleyball and fully involved in volleyball, worked with the Olympic teams, was refing, coaching, playing volleyball whenever I could. And even backtracking a little bit further, in high school, I had I vowed I'd never run another race after my one solo year of cross country. So Alex mentioned that I have run 100 miles. That was not even like a conceptual idea for me. <laughs> Nor um, most humans, but go ahead. So in 2016, I ended up, I was at the beach playing volleyball and this girl ran by, which was not uncommon. What was uncommon was that she was checking out the court and like we turned to go like, look, and usually when we'd catch people checking out the court, they'd turn away embarrassed that they got caught. She didn't do that. And I was like, huh, all right, that's unusual. I was like, she's kind of cute. I got to keep my eye out for her. <laughs> And so when she ran back, it, it was fortuitous timing that we had the game end very shortly after. And so I hopped over the wall and ran up the sidewalk and caught up to her, got her number, name, and found out she was running a race the next day. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to show up to this race and <laughs> maybe we grab lunch afterwards. Yeah. Well, showing up, I was like, watching a race has to be worse than running a race. So I decided I was going to run this race with no training and hopped in and blew my like feasible thoughts of what I could do out of the water. I'd say I'm a pretty natural runner and ended up beating her by 20 minutes, which is a 15 K race. So it's a pretty okay. solid oh, amount. Wow. Yeah. 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 She didn't want to go grab lunch afterwards. <laughs> I didn't blame her, but that race kind of sparked some different thinking in me going, you know what, what other things have I been telling myself that I don't like or I don't want to do? And do I really know that like for sure? Or is that something I've believed for a while? So do you think you were going to run that race? You know, that was something you were challenging yourself to do or, you know, like you, <laughs> I thought you were going to go, like I was running with her the whole time, but it, you were uh, running <laughs> For I, I tried. So you're running so, for a time. <laughs> no, so the, yeah, I, I definitely shortened that. The goal with the race, so more of the details there. I sign up and at the beginning of the race, I run into her. She's running the race with her family. And so I meet a bunch of the family awesome. and they're like, oh, we're going to go scoot up to the front as close as we can get. And I was like, well, I know I'm not the slowest person that's running today. I'm looking around. I said, so I'll be motivated to keep moving if I'm passing people consistently. So I went to the very back. I was the last oh. person to cross the starting line. Oh. And then I see She had a head start. Running. She had a head start. <laughs> I see these guys running with sticks that have like have times on them. And I'm thinking, I was like, what the heck? It's noon. Why do they have a one o'clock sign going? And I quickly realized those were pace times. So my goal the whole race was to actually catch up and run with her. Unknowingly, at some point, I passed her and just kept running and assumed because I was running so well, since she'd been doing so much training, she had to be running faster as well, which was definitely not the case. 
But no, I, I did not have the goal of going as fast as I could. I honestly, I could have cared less at that point how the race went. I was just trying to catch up to her. That's funny. Well, you know, so give us a little bit of just your background, kind of, you know, what your role is now and kind of like, yeah, just kind of these communities that you built. And, you know, I just am interested that where you're coming from now, like the fact that you ran a hundred miles in one city, you can talk about that, but how it's really kind of inspiring others to do things that they find impossible. Cause you thought that that was really impossible. Like just even, you know, running a 15 K race with no training whatsoever, just because maybe she convinced you. I mean, if she hadn't been there at the right time, you might not have had a reason to run the 15 K race. I don't know if you would have ran it or not. Somehow she convinced I I definitely wouldn't have. Would not have. She was the catalyst. She was the catalyst, right? So something about her, that's what I'm really curious. Like we're attracted. We want to, you know, meet people. We see something. We're humans. We're attracted to people. And then that was the reason to change. But yeah, I'm curious to kind of know like how you're translating that kind of concept with others and what you're doing now, what you do today. I've had a few conversations where I've done a lot of introspection about it. I've done this probably my whole life, but it's really only been lately that I've tried to actually describe it. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm working to figure out what it, this loosely defined thing will be, but I see myself being that catalyst for others. And so oftentimes what I do right now is I share the stories that I've been fortunate enough to experience. So you've brought up 100 miles, working with Mike Posner, a lot of things that like especially like high school students, middle school students, they wouldn't even think about these things. But once you hear about it, it sparks some curiosity in your own head. So like an example would be Colin O'Brady. For anyone unfamiliar, Colin set the world record for the Explorers Grand Slam. So that is hiking the seven tallest peaks, one tallest peak on each continent, and going to the North and South Pole. And he set the record for doing that the fastest. Me hearing that, while I don't have grand aspirations of like copying that idea, it opened up my mindset. I was like, oh, I didn't even know people were doing that. What (laughs) other crazy things are possible? So it's like one of the things that I have come up with, my brain's working on it. At this point, it's not a feasible thing. I would love to run the first 100 miles on the moon, which is just a bananas concept because we don't have anybody living on the moon. But it's that idea of trying to get people to think bigger. We've all gotten caught up in defining life in boxes. And like there isn't a box. The boxes in our head make us feel safer. We feel more secure. But a lot of people end up unhappy. They don't feel like they're doing what they really want to in life. And so like right now, it's a perfect example. We've been forced into change. And so I think after this ends up wrapping up, we'll have a lot of people that decide you know what, what I was doing, I'm not happy with it. I got to experience a completely different life for however long this takes, a couple weeks, months, whatever that'll be. And I feel like a lot of people may be embracing more of a curious mind. I don't know if they'll completely change, but they'll be more open to a slightly less secure option. (laughs) Yeah, because they see how fragile maybe their existence, you know, could be right? Like, and life is how finite it really is. Because, you know, if you're not doing what you love, and it can be taken away so quickly, what's the 
point, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, what's it all for? Yeah, I mean, you said a couple of things. I think curiosity is so important. You know, just moving others, just trying to really find what you know is really important for others and understand them. We all are different. We all have different wants and needs. None of us are alike in that way. You can't assume anything that somebody wants what you want, and you know, kind of leading with empathy. I'm, you know, kind of curious, like, you know, when you're talking to people that are unsure about you know, kind of what they want to do, or you're coaching them, or, you know, you're talking them through some of the stuff, and they're not thinking with this type of curious mindset you're talking about. What is your approach to them? What do you really say to them? How do you, you know, really get them to look at the world as you see it, you know, curious light? So I don't know that I want them to look at it as I see it. Okay. Uh, there's hugely beneficial to have so many different perspectives. I was blessed growing up for sure, where people gave me a ton of self-confidence. We adopt the labels or associate with labels we get. But first off, I love to approach any conversation where I'm meeting somebody with a completely curious mind. I mean, I I don't come in with any expectations. I've been working, not perfect at this one yet, to try and stop fixing people because (laughs) it's not like I will not fix anybody. My job is to help spark in somebody else, either a shift in mindset or maybe a different way of thinking. And they will in turn, if they want to adjust or adapt. So the way I do that, or at least that I've been trying to is I've tried to experiment and encounter as many widely varied and different things as I possibly can. And so like that could be running extreme races, which a lot of people think it's for the running. I actually do it more for the mental challenge of the mind going, you should stop. You should stop. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to keep going because there are so many times in life where we stop when we don't need to. But like most recently, I've had two really cool experiences this year where I went down to Mexico and helped build some houses for a couple families there that pretty much have been living in the dirt for either most of their life, if not all of their lives. Mm. And then about three weeks ago, I ended up in a prison mentoring some of the men there on approaching their parole board for being able to be released early and actually come back to society and contribute. And both of those experiences, I never would have thought about that. Just wasn't something I was thinking about. But both of those are worlds that could use a lot more thinking about how to improve life for the poor in countries that don't have as much as we have here in the U.S. and other Western countries. And then the prison system, especially here in the U.S., is it's not great. We pretty much separate everybody, and then they don't have a great opportunity after they get out, typically. And so we got to figure out how to change the mindset of the majority. And so the way I do that is I try and experiment, and I, I try to take my own experience and then share that. What you're saying just about really just approaching it, just genuinely trying to get to know people. You have taking agenda off, you know, really kind of disarms people. People want to talk about their experiences and who they are. And like, you can't learn about people if you are coming, like you just, you said, it's it's tough because you want to go in and like, like help these people. You see your situation and it's almost natural to maybe compare it and say, hey, like, maybe this is what they probably are looking to you for advice, right? Like they're seeing people from the outside, like you're successful or you're where I want to be, you know, tell me, help me, 
you know, they're look, they're probably asking you, maybe they asked you some of those things of people in Mexico or people in, in the prison system. And, you know, how do you approach that when people are asking you, like, you know, how do you, you know, help me, you know, tell me what to do. Give me all the answers, Cam. What do I do? How do you approach that? The thought that I had a few months back, and I, I routinely try and remind myself of this, is that I don't have the answer. I have an answer. It's okay. my answer, and it's probably not your answer. But I'm going to mm. share my answer, and hopefully that can spark people to find their own answer. Mm. The other thing that I do with that is, and I had the benefit when I was working as a volleyball referee, after two years of refing, people enjoyed my personality, a way of simplifying things enough. I actually helped instruct a lot of the local referees that do high school. And it was a very different experience because at that point I was 22-ish and most of the association was people that had retirement age. So there was that aspect of being younger, but then a lot of them had been refing time-wise much longer than I had. And what I did is I tried to understand the approaches of anybody that I thought was doing something very well and tried to distill it into an idea and concept that could be easily explained. And so like I might say that this is how I approach it, a situation. Let's say ultra running is a perfect example. I don't typically train anywhere near as much as most people. And so I don't tell people to follow what I did. I'll send them information about what I've seen others do. And then I'll try and pull out the similarities. So like food is a big one. If you want to run an extended race or something like that. And so I'll, I'll pick different food options from different people and explain why they're doing that. And then hope to inspire people to choose their own. Yeah. It's really good that we are all individual people. So you're kind of really like coming from the premise of we have to ultimately make the decisions ourselves we're all different and we're, it's really an, an art form how we approach this life and how we're going to you know, convince ourselves, convince others, how we're going to gain influence. It really comes from us. So we can't, you know, do the exact, we can't follow the exact same path or road as someone else, but we can take from other people and, and kind of distill it and make it our own. So it's kind of like a good segue to the second part. I mean, you know, this is kind of about, you know, helping people just realize that the ability to convince, persuade, and influence others is just something human, kind of the stuff that you're talking about. It's being curious, it's having empathy, it's trying to help spark them, be a catalyst, you know, so I mean, this is what I'm seeing, but maybe in your words, what do you think are human skills that everybody can really tap into? Like if they're trying to, you know, either convince themselves or maybe even you know, convince others just kind of using what's inside of them. Do you have any thoughts on that? Two words that came to mind initially were listening and empathy. I would say in general, and like the toilet paper rushes, and hand sanitizer kind of shows this, is we've become a lot more focused on ourselves. And I, I don't know if I've picked this idea up from others or I've picked it up from just putting together a conglomeration of all the information I've interacted with. But I look at a lot of life as a pendulum and like you swing from one side to the other. And on this pendulum in particular, you got the individual self mind on one side and you got community 
on the other. And like society will always be swinging it and it'll be somewhere in between there. And I think we've swung really far over to the individual self side, which in a lot of ways has benefited. But the problem is with that, you don't get as much kind of support as you feel. And so feeling supported is often gives you an understanding. I'm totally off topic here. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm kind of really encouraged by, you know, the people, yes, there is a rush for toilet paper and those things. And we have to kind of take care of our immediate families. And that's like, first and foremost, kind of what people are thinking about just, you know, natural safety. I am kind of encouraged where I see people like going out to people's houses, you know, making house calls with people that have this disease, people that are like starting just, I think, you know, buying groceries for people in their neighborhoods, like starting communities around that. And, you know, I, th- I saw one thing in China, a guy was buying up uh, prescriptions for people or, you know, kind of sourcing prescription meds for people that couldn't get their prescriptions because of this thing. So it's almost, it kind of like shines a light on, you know, how important it is because sometimes we don't think about that until times of crisis that we're all in it together. You know, I think what I'm, you know, really fascinated kind of about what you do is that you really get people, I think, to gravitate to you, like in the community, people kind of call you out and they reach out, they take you up on the offer, because I think you are, you kind of mentioned it very gracious with, like, just you're open, you're open minded, you genuinely like want to meet people that you don't know. (laughs) And we all say that, but you actually put it into action and it drives you. So I'm curious, you know, if there's anything that like, you know, if there was, you know, a reason for that, or is it, that's just kind of, you know, who you are, you know, and do you think that, you know, that kind of helps, you know, that is that something we should kind of all be looking at, at doing and why? So the reminder I got as you were sharing that was a thought that I had probably three weeks ago or so. And when you live something yourself, you don't think that it's uncommon or unusual. We tend to kind of put that on out in the world, we think everyone else does it. But one of the things recently I've been recognizing I do differently, kind of as you described, is I think people are worth extra effort is the way I put it. And so if that means opening up my schedule for a call or there've been times where I've driven, had a buddy who was playing a music show up in Los Angeles, it's a two hour drive with no traffic. And so I drove up to LA and ended up going up there to support him with that. I think it's being genuine and like seeing people as people, not necessarily wanting anything from them, being gracious and accepting things that they would like to offer. But I try not to share or say anything that I wouldn't do myself. So I try to 100% live my values. It's not the case. There's a lot of them that I'm still working on, but that is my goal. And I think that, method of approaching life tends to open other people up to being willing to try things differently. Yeah, it's awesome stories. I can't imagine like the feedback you've gotten from people you've done that to have gone out of your way to. I mean, I've given it to you, but you're making me think of like in my sales career, I'd been dealing with a client for years over the phone and we just could never meet in person. And, you know, she really had a role that she traveled a lot for work and just so happened we were going to have a conference in Chicago, in downtown Chicago. I was going to be in town for another reason in the suburbs. And I really wanted to come see her all day for the conference and the next day. And she was going to be there. 
but I couldn't. I had a, a meeting in the suburbs the day of the conference, and there was the only way I could go is drive like three hours, like first thing at five or six in the morning, see her for 15 minutes and literally turn back around for this like noon meeting in Chicago traffic. And she's like, don't do that. That's ridiculous. Like, why would you come for just a few, like 15 minutes? And I said, I don't know, like, this is just driving me. It's the right thing to do. It's, you're a person, you're somebody I feel like I know. And I just want to meet and see you face to face and just talk, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes. And I did that. She's like, you're nuts. You don't have to do that. Like you get that response. Probably you've gotten it before. You don't have to do that, Cameron. And then I do it and it's not for anything. I wasn't closing a deal. I wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, Hey, I have a something that month that I'm closing. It's just because it felt right. And, you know, I wanted to honor that relationship. And then years later, you know, every year she's like, I'll never forget that, you know, what you did. And, you know, she didn't just buy from me because of me. I mean, you know, I had to show value, but I think that, you know, she knew that I, you know, had her back and she wasn't just a dollar sign or a credit card transaction. She was, you know, a real person. And we still talk to this day. And, you know, you're making me think of those sorts of stories. that I think we all can think more about, right? So cool, cool. Well, you know, I know it's like in, we talked a lot about what you did, you know, just because this is such a crazy story. Can you, the two things want people to know about you or like that I think are crazy stories that you really helped convince people that one was convincing yourself and then the other was convincing someone else or helping convince someone else. But one was what the hell convinced you to run a hundred miles in one setting and talk about convincing or helping convince Mike Posner that he could walk across the United States of America. Can you talk about those two experiences? Yeah. So first with Mike, Mike already had that idea before I had met him. Okay. For him, it had been put off a year longer than he had intended because of an album that he was working on in 2018. Mm -hmm. So when I got introduced to him, a mutual friend of ours had heard about my hundred miler and was like, Hey, I think you guys would enjoy connecting. And then I ended up working with him, helping get logistics taken care of for him to go walk across the country for my hundred miler. So you've mentioned we were, we were in the build your life resume group. Jesse Itzler founded the group. I was introduced to Jesse through his book, living with a seal. And that was the first time I think I had ever heard of anybody running 100 miles. So for those unfamiliar with the book, the book starts off with Jesse at this 24-hour race in San Diego where he showed up with a bunch of friends and they were doing a relay-style race and they saw this guy walk up with a lawn chair and a box of crackers is how Jesse puts it. And this guy who throughout the book is called Seal, turns out to be a Navy Seal by the name of David Goggins, was there for his first ever 100 mile race. And you can hear David talk about that story in various podcasts and David's book. But David's experience in that ends up inspiring Jesse to kind of reevaluate his life and what he'd been doing, which did that a little bit for me. I didn't take immediate action on at that point, but that sparked some thoughts of, you know, what could I do? And so I've done a ton of fitness challenges. Most times when people throw out the word challenge, they know that I'm very likely to say yes. Oh my goodness. So there've been all sorts of challenges there that I've done. 
after that race I mentioned, I got into Spartan racing due to a friend inviting me and had this idea to go pro with that. While going pro, I had the thought of, I want to run 100 miles, partly because it would be a cool story, but partly because I started pushing my limits. So 2018, I ran a 34-mile obstacle course race, having never run further than 18 miles before. And that kind of was like, okay, I did that. What else is possible? And the next month, I challenged myself. I was in Sparta, Greece. I ran three races in two days, which I think ended up cumulatively ended up being about 34 miles again. Then the next month, I was in Iceland. I started, I didn't finish, this 60-hour endurance event for So Spartan has an event called the Agogi, which kind of simulates a military boot camp of sorts, but also with wherever you're at. So this was in Iceland. They try and create it around the history of the location. And part of that 60 hours was a 24-hour race, which I did finish. And so those three events stacked up right next to each other, really blew apart my expectations for what I could do physically. So 2018 came that whole year. I was like, I'm going pro. So I signed up for a bunch of races, ended up running 20 Spartan races throughout Mm -hmm. the year. Early in the year was like, oh, you know, I did all this stuff last year. I should sign up for a 24-hour race. I'm going to see if I can find that 24-hour race that David Goggins did. It's not around anymore. But I found another 24-hour race, which I ran and barely, barely squeaked out 50 miles. was miserable. Raining, cold. I had no idea what to expect. I don't change my training. The way I put it is I train for life. And so with that one getting 50 miles, I slightly tweaked my ankle. My next race, I really rolled my ankle. So the whole year was just kind of a little damper. That was also the year that I started Build Your Life Resume. And in September of 2018, we had a get together of everybody in the course in Atlanta. And Jesse and one of his mentors put us through this goal setting exercise where we broke down, I think it was eight different buckets of life. And we wrote down goals we wanted to accomplish in the next 200 days. And one of them for me was I wanted to actually run 100 miles because I tried it and it failed. And so the actual doing that ended up being much, much less planned than I think I had intended, but it ended up. That, that's kind of how I roll with life. I have an idea and then I figure out the bare minimum to make it happen. And then I just go do it. So November, 2018, I really was feeling like I had no momentum in life. And that whole race plan for the year of going pro with this obstacle course racing hadn't worked out. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I need some momentum. What's something crazy that I know I could do or that I know I could attempt it's a Musogi goal, as Jesse puts it, a goal that scares you, but you're not 100% sure you'll be able to succeed at. So I pushed that 100 miler up to my birthday at the end of November of 2018. And I think it was about two, three weeks of training and went and just knocked it out. It was a slow process. That video you saw, you can see my attitude about it changed significantly. I was a lot more <laughs> humbled at the end than I was at the beginning, but that opened my mind. And which is a different experience. And it definitely catches a lot of people's attention now because there are so few people that have or desire to do anything like that. But for me, I use it as a way to just encourage people like, hey, you know, find something that's slightly uncomfortable or something a little different than what you do and just go try it. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> I'm floored. I'm like just blown away because I just did a 15K and I mean, I did it and I wasn't like gassed or totally exhausted, but I had never run more than 5K before and that was huge. So I think it's like, yeah, find your, like you said, misogy as Jesse puts it, something that scares you. You're not totally sure if you can finish it. I'd never done 15K. I did like maybe 12, but I was training for it. But, you know, don't just go out and do something. Don't, don't everybody, if you've never run before, don't think you can just go run 100 miles. <laughs> Be smart about it. But then, Or, yeah, or, or with that, adjust your mindset. Because the way it. I put it Ooh. is that anybody Ooh. can do 100 miles. Okay. And I guess okay. putting in perspective with my 100 mile yeah. is that it took me 44 hours. So that's almost two full days. No, I was not running the whole time. There was a lot of walking. The majority of it was walking. There was a lot of time wasted, which was, I learned a lot during the experience. But the thing that I realized is anybody could do 100 miles. Most people have no desire to, and I don't encourage them to do it, but anyone can do it. You just have to adjust your expectations of what that looks like. So that means you're going to walk for 100 miles straight. Totally possible for anybody. Well, almost anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think like a lot of people don't like see the importance of just your mindset. You know, your mindset, it seems like this kind of like abstract thing, like how do you, you change that? But I think you said something really important that, you know, you change your expectations of what, you know, achieving that goal would mean, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, running the whole way. Maybe it's just walking and running. Maybe it's, you know, different intervals or there could be so many different paths, but you can, you know, convince yourself you can do it when you come with that mindset of, hey, I think your why, it sounds like, was just, I want to put this big goal that's just seems impossible and I want to do it. And it wasn't necessarily like I'm running for this person or for this cause or for this something, or it was for the goal itself, maybe, or to convince yourself. But maybe, I don't know, you can, you can say it, explain why, your why with it. But yeah, why don't you say that? And then we'll kind of, you know, kind of end off on just kind of what you've, you've said and, and kind of give it a close, but I'm curious to know your why with it. You hit my original why on the head. I originally went into it wanting to see if I could do it. I wanted a big goal, something that would challenge me, end up getting some momentum from it afterwards of just having the high and endorphins. What actually ended up happening while that was awesome is it would not have happened. Like I would not have finished. Anyone that tells you that they don't have the thought of quitting at some point, I would be very skeptical of. I started, and the way I did it was five loops of 20 miles Damn. around Mission Bay in San Diego. It was not a race. There was very minimal outside support. I had a buddy pop out for some video, but for the most part, I had everything in my car that I needed, and Water. I just went. Yeah. The first lap, I went a little faster than I should have. And I realized, I was like, you know what? This was a stupid idea. Why the heck did I do it? And what ended up working as to why I finished was the Build Your Life Resume group. One of the members in the group, Chuck, had found out about it and posted into the group going, hey, Cameron's running 100 miles starting on Monday. I think as a group, let's run 100 cumulative miles to show support for what he's doing. And so at that point, we had probably between 70 and 100 people in this group. And 
I think it was everybody, maybe it was like an 80% at least response rate of people going, oh, I, I walked a mile. Oh, I ran 10 miles. Oh, this. Like they probably cumulatively had a thousand miles. But for me, I'm going, well, I can't quit now because I've got almost a hundred people that all have uh, told me that I can do this. I was like, I have to keep going. And so it ended up being very much motivated for others because I knew if I could accomplish that, it would also shift a lot of the mindsets in the group of what people thought was possible. Wow. Yeah, the group. Man, Cam, you are one fascinating dude. We could talk for hours and I wouldn't get bored, (laughs) but I want to respect people's time. You know, this is what I love. Like, you're not like in sales by job title, occupation. You're not a trained salesperson. I don't know if you've had sales training, but I think what you do, convincing others, showing people that they can do it, showing people that, you know, just having that mindset. I think you convinced yourself through others, maybe others convinced you in the group because like you just said, you know, thousands of miles were run and and that kind of lifted you forward. But it's just an awesome message of kind of, you know, the power of what you can do when you have an open mind, you're curious, you kind of, you know, you put on scary goals, but you also look for ways, you know, to learn and to, you know, be convinced and to help drive you forward. That's kind of, what I've taken away from this and I've, I've learned a ton, but I feel like it's those human skills that kind of, you know, really, yeah, helped convince you and kind of what you do when you, you're convincing others at the prison in Mexico and you're being curious. So that's what I think, <laughs> right. I've gotten, man. So I want to close off with just uh, something a little fun because I think, you know, we're all different. We're all humans in our own way. And that helps us in our approaches when we, are moving, persuading, convincing others. And I want to just know one thing about you that just makes you kind of this unique, fun, cool human being. So I'm asking this question, what's something that has happened to you, you know, or maybe that a situation that you put yourself in, something that's happened to you, a situation that you have put yourself in that could or would only happen to Cameron? And you've mentioned the hundred miler, but there's got to be something else, something funny, crazy, that's just uniquely you that would happen or only happen to you. Two thoughts came to mind. One more recent than the other. I'll go with the one that's a little older. Sophomore year of high school, I believe, was an interesting time. I was very much focused on sports and was walking home from school. I'd been tripped. So backstory, I had a broken arm at this point. (laughs) <laughs> uh, my brother and I were walking home from school and we were probably about halfway home when we hear from behind us, Hey, stop. And I was like, huh? Sweet. Of course. Curious. Turn around. And we see this guy sprinting full speed at us, followed by two other men, one working at the local Taco Bell and another, this older gentleman. And so not knowing what had happened other than I kind of gauged that something had been taken I decided to hop in and chase down this mugger, as I put it. And so they had turned into this park, which my brother and I were very familiar with due to our middle school. And so we knew a couple of the shortcuts. And I saw them going one of the longer routes, and I knew I could head them off by taking a shortcut down this hill. And so I ended up beating them and confronting this mugger. And I was like, hey, man, you need to give it back. And I think I just completely shocked him out of like everything that was going on. 
where maybe I spoke with authority. I don't know what I did, but <laughs> as a kid, okay. Like I'm a sophomore in high school and this guy goes, uh, and he just hands me the wallet. Uh, oh. So he'd taken this old man's wallet no way. and then the Taco Bell employee, he, he shows up and he's trying to confront him. He confused who I was. He thought I was working with him possibly. And we ended up quickly chatting as we followed this guy who sprinted back to the parking lot so he could get to his car and realized we were both on the same side. So we get to the parking lot and like, I don't want to get hurt at all. Like I'm very aware of the situation, how it's going. I was like, I'm not going to stand in front of the car and stop it. Like, the easiest solution here is just to get the license plate number and then like let the police deal with that. And so we did that and got the license plate number. The police showed up. We did the report. And from that experience, the uh, city of Oceanside here in California brought both my brother and I and Taco Bell employee, all three of us in, and we received citizen accommodation awards. No way. <laughs> Cam, <laughs> you are literally, yeah. Superman, like a, an action figure in real life in uh, running and you, you know, help old men you recover wallets. You are a real life super <laughs> comic book character. I don't know. No, but just a regular person. Like you said in the very beginning, you're just like everybody else. And that's what's so important. <laughs> I love it. Love this story. Cameron, I can't thank you enough, my man, for jumping on this thing today and just giving us your time. You're one really interesting dude. Let us know where can people like find out more about you, connect with you. You know, where's the best place? Instagram's probably the best. So that would be Cam, the number eight Schmidt. So C A M eight S C H M I D T. Awesome. And I can attest there's some awesome inspirational things that he puts on there and go connect with cam on instagram so all right man i don't post a lot i'll be honest there okay <laughs> uh, but it's a great way if anyone wants to actually connect with me i respond you. to just about every message on there cool so. message you and connect with you cool all right well thanks so much for your time today cam you really gave us a lot to think about i'm I have a ton of notes and yeah man i'll just see you next time and you know see the next big thing that you're putting out Sweet. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sweet. Thanks a bunch, Cam. All right. All right. Thanks, Alex. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.